Okay? Let's do that now. Brian, would you lead us? How about now? <laughs> Good morning. I didn't know it was off. So we pick up with Jesus speaking to his disciples and the crowds that have gathered on the hillsides as he shares. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things and your heavenly father tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And this is the word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Hey, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much, Brian. I appreciate that. So, hey, we're working our way through Jesus' most famous sermon. Uh, it's found in Matthew 5 through 7. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, we've said every week, we're going to continue to say this, that it's so important to understand that the backdrop, the context, the focus of the uh, Sermon on the Mount is the kingdom of God. And we've said every week that two things matter more than anything else in the kingdom of God. Relationships. Every single command Jesus is going to give in this sermon is designed to elevate the value of relationships. And then the second thing is the kingdom of God is all about the heart. It's about changed hearts. And we've said every week, even though uh, the, that the kingdom does what the law could not. The law could only focus on our behavior, but the kingdom focuses on our hearts. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to continue to uh, kind of ruminate in these verses and hopefully they'll get in us and become a part of us. And in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God as something that can actually has the power to rescue us from things like worry and uncertainty. Now, kind of confessions of a pastor to start our time today. The irony of today is I've been in a season of my life where I've never been more tempted to worry. Never. No other season has even come close. And yet, here I am getting ready to teach uh, you through Jesus' words on worry. I just want you to know, I'm like the most unlikely candidate to teach this message today. I feel very unqualified. Uh, feeling unqualified is one of the reasons I uh, have given up ever teaching on marriage again. Because let me explain. 
Anytime a pastor stands up and teaches on marriage, I know one of two things has happened in their life. A, he and his wife just had a gigantic fight in the car on the way to church, and he's trying to muddle through that. Or they had a terrible argument the night before. They both went to bed angry and possibly even slept in separate bedrooms. I can tell you how that pastor feels when he steps up to preach on Sunday morning. He feels unqualified. Uh, and so I just need you to hear me say that I feel, you know, a little bit of that today. I'm not teaching this as a master teacher. I'm teaching this as somebody who's learning this with you, as somebody that um, is feeling this with you, which brings me to the words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Just stop there. Therefore, I tell you. Now, once again, Jesus speaks against the grain. He speaks against the wisdom of this world. In fact, uh, throughout the sermon, he's going to say, hey, here's what you've always heard. Here's what the word on the street is, but here's what I say. Now, uh, here's what I say, right? So your friends say things like this. The sky is falling. We're freaking out. The news says the world is falling apart. You should be nervous. Your coworkers say to you, you have every right to be worried. But Jesus says, in contrast to everything and everyone else in your life, don't worry about your life. So last week, Pastor Craig kicked off this discussion. I thought he did a masterful job. One of the things he did was he pointed out that when Jesus talked about worry, he tied it back uh, to the thing that Americans worry about most, and that would be money. In fact, uh, one recent poll indicated that over 70% of Americans say their number one worry, the number one worry has to do with either their own personal finances and or the finances of our country or the economy of our country. So Jesus, knowing this, starts there and he says, do not worry now, when it comes to worry, there are probably three kinds of people here in the room. I didn't do this first service, but I'll probably do it in the second. I'll ask each of you to identify yourselves. So a few of you are here, and you simply don't worry. In fact, your husband, your wife, they're worried about you because they can't get you to worry. If you're here this morning and you're in 10th or 11th grade, your parents want you to worry, and you just don't. And so, so if that's you, if you're in that category, somebody will wake you up after the sermon and tell you it's time to go home. You can just take a nap. Okay, fair enough. Now, then there's the other end. Uh, how many of you are in the don't worry at all category? Yeah, I expected to see about three hands, and that's about how many I see. All right, now then there's the other end of the spectrum, right, where you worry about everything. Like, in fact, your husband, your wife, your roommate, they've threatened to take your television away because every time you watch Fox News, you, like, you just think the apocalypse is coming, right? I mean, like, you know, um, yeah, and when you don't have anything to worry about, right, that's when you really get worried because when's the next shoe going to drop? I mean, you're so worried, you're convinced worry is a spiritual gift. It's actually helping you out. Out, and it's not. And yet here is Jesus saying, don't worry about your life. And then how many of you are in this category? 
okay? And then the rest of us probably fall somewhere in the middle, right? But in light of what's happened in our country, in light of what's happened to our economy, in light of what's happened in our world, even though we don't necessarily consider ourselves worriers, we've kind of begun to worry. And, you know, things like uh, worry and fear and anxiety have kind of taken a, a front seat in our lives. And the reason for that is simple, and that is this, that uncertainty invites worry. In other words, worry is what people do in the face of uncertainty. Because as people, as human beings, we love a sure thing. And when anything is uncertain, we tend towards anxiety. And we're going to come back to that thought um, in just a moment. Now, as I was researching for this message, I discovered that a lot of what Jesus has to say about worry, a lot of the words we just read together have been borrowed. They've been regurgitated by modern day authors. I mean, even those authors that don't consider themselves religious have borrowed from Jesus' words and his ideas here. And I think that's important. And I think it's important to point out that the, re I mean, listen, on a day when Jesus could have stood up and talked about anything, he decided to stand up and talk about worry. Why? Well, because uh, and he did that 2,000 years ago. And what that tells us and reminds us of is that even 2,000 years ago, people really worried about stuff, right? That worry has been around as long as people have. And one of the things I think makes Jesus' a thesis in this sermon so brilliant because uh, here's what he's going to tell us. Here's what he's going to remind us of. He's going to say, look, the things you worry about the most are the things you're most devoted to. They're the things you care about the most. And so to Jesus' point, let me just make a confession to you. I never, ever, ever worry about your kids' grades. I don't. I mean, do I want your kids to do well? Of course I do. If you wrote me a letter or an email or you approached me after the service and said, hey, would you pray for my kids' grades? My, they're just not doing that well. I would pray for you. You know, um, I, I would, I would uh, you know, come alongside you and be a prayer partner with you in that. But do I sit at home day after day and worry how your kids are doing in school? No. Why? Well, because I have never, ever in my life devoted myself to your kids doing well in school. See, Jesus just says, look, we worry about the things we care about most. And next week, uh, as we kind of start to unpack the back end of this message on worry, one of the things Jesus is going to challenge us with is a question. And the question is this, what if, what if you shifted the things you're devoted to? Like, what if you became devoted to something different, something that will last forever? What if you shifted your devotion to something that's rock solid, something that will never let you down, never go away? What if you shifted your devotion to something that is certain? What if you shifted your devotion to something that is unmoved by the cares of this world, something like the kingdom of God? What would happen to your worry? And again, we're, we're going to go there next week. But today, let's just begin 
uh, again with the words of Jesus. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Now, that's pretty general. Don't worry about your life. So what Jesus is saying is this. Don't worry about the things you're currently worried about. Don't worry about all the individual things that make up your life. And then he addresses the things that his audience was worried about. Verse 25, what you will eat or drink, don't worry about those or about your body, what you will wear. So he says to his audience, look, I know what you think about every single day. You get up and wonder, kind of like Craig does at church on Sunday mornings. He admitted this last week, right? He worries about what he's going to eat after church. And Jesus says, look, you know, um, I know what you're thinking. You know, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Our clothes are wearing out. Our kids need clothes. We don't have money for that. Jesus says, look, don't worry about those things. Now, if Jesus were addressing this crowd in this room, uh, he, would, he would have the same message for us, but it would sound a little bit different. To us, he might say something like, look, don't worry about your high cholesterol. Don't worry if you're going to be able to retire. Don't worry about whether or not your kids are going to be able to get into the right school. Don't worry about how much money you have in the bank. Don't worry about whether you're going to be single the rest of your life or not. Don't worry about whether you're going to be able to find a job that you love or keep a job that you love. Don't worry about your industry or the economy. Don't worry about the direction you think our country is headed in. Don't worry about who's in office. Don't worry about your life. And the point of his conversation, of this message, as we're going to see, is not that things like food and clothing aren't important. It's not that retirement's not important or that school's not important or that jobs aren't important, that kids aren't important, that our health isn't important. None of that's the point at all. In fact, it's just the opposite. His point is that all those things are important, but all of those things are also laced with uncertainty. And he says, look, when I'm a sure thing, I am a certainty, and you can depend upon, and you can trust me. You can, in other words, you can face uncertainty about tomorrow as long as you're trusting in me today. So he goes, and he asks a really big question in verse 25. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? This is so beautiful. What Jesus is doing is he's trying to pull us from the clutches of this thing called worry. Because here's what worry does every time. It obsesses, it fixates, it dials in on a particular problem, and it exaggerates it. It makes it bigger than it should be. Did you know that 70% of the things that people worry about, 70% of the things you worry about never even happen? They never come true. See, worry blocks out anything in my life that actually might be working pretty well. Oh my gosh, my 401k. Oh my gosh, my retirement plan. Oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm going to wear. See, we get hyper-focused on these things. And Jesus says, look, okay, I want to pull you back for a minute. Like, isn't it true that retirement is just one part of your life? It's not your whole life. It's just, it's just a small part. Okay, 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 okay. Okay, isn't your life about more than whether your kids are going to the right school or going to get into the right school? Again, I'm not saying it's, it's not important, but is, is that the sum of your life? I mean, can you still have a good life if your kids 
make bad grades and even flunk out of school? And the answer is yes, you can. Yes, you can. I mean, you're so worried about if you're ever going to get married or if you're ever going to get married again, and that's all you think about. And Jesus would say, I'm not saying that's not important, but whether you're married or not, is that really your life? I mean, that's just a part of your life, isn't it? Isn't your life bigger than that? Aren't you more than just a husband or a wife? You're certainly meant to be more than just that, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, whether or not I'm married, I can acknowledge Jesus. That's only a component of my life. I mean, I'll admit it's, it's tended to get most of my time and attention lately. But you're right, Jesus. Life is about more than that. It's bigger than that. Jesus is just saying, look, I want you to think about the bigger picture. Because one of the things worry always does is it zooms in, it focuses, it fixates, it obsesses over a problem at the expense of everything in your life. And even worse, worry causes every one of us in the room to miss the good things in our lives that are front and center today. Good things God is doing right now here in my life that I am overlooking because I'm consumed with anxiety and worry. So Jesus begins us on a journey toward a remedy, and it seems so unorthodox. Listen to what he says. Look at the birds of the air. Really? What? Jesus, I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. I need a job. I mean, hey, I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. My son is failing 11th grade. I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. I got no transportation, Jesus. I don't have time to look at the birds of the air. My health is failing. I don't have time to look at the birds. My husband says he may not come back. And this is very practical. Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's very important that you take a time out and that you look at the birds, that you breathe Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns. Now he's addressing their culture. Here's how he would say it to you and me. He would say, hey, look at the birds. They don't have a 401k. They don't get a college education. They don't walk their kids around and hold their hands and put helmets on their kids so their kids don't get any kind of hurt. I mean, in fact, think about this. The birds of the air, they build nests up high, as high as they can, and they just push their kids out and say, good luck. I mean, there's a parenting model, right? Jesus says, look, look at the birds, you know. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't do any of the things that you do. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I mean, look, they don't even really try. They don't farm, they don't save. I mean, the birds of the air fly around and suddenly they go, you know what, I just think I should fly south. I'm not even sure why, I just think I should. And they go there, right? They don't even know why. The birds of the air fly around and they go, there's a piece of string. I feel compelled to go and get it and build a little tree for it. Did I do this last year? They don't even know, right? They have no idea. He says, look at the birds of the air. They don't have plans. You know, they don't have calendars. They don't have uh, Quicken or QuickBooks. They don't have a budget. They don't have a mortgage. They don't do any of the responsible stuff you do. I mean, they're, they're not even out there trying. They're just doing. They just kind of go with the flow. But God cares for them. In fact, look at what verse 26 says. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Now listen, here's what he's, 
Here's what Jesus is reminding us of. He's reminding us of the kindness and the goodness of God. God feeds them not because of what they do or don't do, but because of who he is. He feeds them because he is generous and good and kind. And then look at Matthew 6.26. What a great question. Are you not much more valuable than they? Let me ask that a different way. Different way. Do you think God cares for you more than he cares about a bird? I mean, you bear the image of God, but birds don't. I mean, listen, you and I, every human being in this world has been made in the image of God as the crowning achievement of his creation. I mean, you read the story of creation. He creates the heavens, the earth. He creates birds and animals, oceans and fish. But when he gets to mankind, when he gets to men and women, he says, this is different. I am making man and woman, and I am making each of them in my image. They are going to bear my thumbprint. They are going to be special. They are going to sit at the very crown of my creation. But not only that, here's what we need to know about the creation story. Those who first bared God's image bailed on him. They sinned. They forsook God. They did as they pleased. They broke God's heart. And yet, God made a way to bring them back to him. He sent a Savior who also bared his image to all of those who bared his image. And the reason for that is so simple because their story is our story. Adam's story, Eve's story is my story. It's your story. All of us have gone our own way. All of us has dared tell God that we know better than he does. That's our story. We wandered away. And when it looked impossible, God sent a Savior, not for birds, not for plants, not in the form of a bird or a plant, but that Savior came into the world as a, as a person, as a person, as a human being. So when Jesus asked the question, do you think God cares for you more than he does a bird? The obvious answer is, well, of course he does. I mean, it's not even close. And that Savior, whose words about worry are still being repeated and regurgitated today, some 2,000 years later, is inviting every one of us in the room to enter into a relationship with him of trust, rest, and care. In other words, he's saying, look, I want you to sow and reap. I want you to stow away in barns. I want you to fill out applications. I want you to knock on doors. I want you to study hard. I want you to ask people out. I want you to work hard. I want you to do your best. I want you to set goals. I want you to do all that stuff. But once you've done all that you can do in the now, I want you to trust me for the things that you can't do in, in, in the then. See, in other words, at the end of every day, we, every one of us, he, he wants us to have the kind of relationship with him where we go to God at the end of the day and we say, God, I've done all I can with today. I'm going to trust you with my tomorrow. I mean, friends, when you can get to that point, there is a rest there. There is a safety there. There is a security that this world doesn't know and can never know. See, and then he asks another question in verse 27. He says, this is so genius. 
He says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to his life? I mean, here's what Jesus is pointing out. He's pointing out that worry is ridiculous. It's unhelpful. It's unreasonable. It doesn't accomplish anything. Listen, friends, nobody's ever stood on a stage and said, well, you know, I'd just like to thank my friend worry for getting me here. Couldn't have done it without him. Worry, worry solves no purpose. It is a poor attempt to control your future, and it simply doesn't work. In fact, not only does it not add an hour, how many of you would say that worry has taken an hour or two away from your life? Yeah, me too. My hand would be up as well, right? He's saying, and he's saying, look, not only is worry pointless, not only does it accomplish nothing, not only does it take energy away from your life, but it keeps you from being in a trusting relationship with me. Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And then he goes on, verse 28. Why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor. They don't spin thread. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, look, you guys work frantically. You make plans. You're careful. But think about flowers for a minute. They don't make plans. They don't work frantically. They don't ever worry. They're just there. Listen, they are just there in every moment with me. Just an exhibit to my glory in the moment. See this, and this just kind of points out one of the obvious problems with worry. See, one of the problems of worry is it causes us to live in the uncertainty of what might happen tomorrow instead of living in moments today. Listen, when our kids were little, I'd go home and you know, the church was younger then and I'd go home and I'd have so many conversations, so many things I thought I needed to worry about. And I can't tell you how many times with my kids, I was living in the uncertainty of tomorrow when I should have been present in a moment with them. How are you doing, parents? How are you doing with that? Listen, our lives, every moment of them, just like flowers, are meant to bring glory to God. But worry advertises that God is not capable. Worry advertises, I don't believe God cares or is involved, right? And so essentially, and then he goes on in verses 29 and 30, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these, one of these flowers, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? And we're going to take that last line in a minute. Here's, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, look, you know, flowers, grass, that all gets collected and it gets burned. There's nothing eternal about uh, grass and flowers. Birds die. There's nothing eternal about birds. But you are an eternal being, I created you not just for this world, but for eternity. So if I take care of things that don't matter ultimately and won't last ultimately, how much more will I take care of you? You bear the image of God. I sent a Savior to rescue you. You are an eternal human being. So I'm here for you. And then the line, and this is the climax, and this is what we're going to camp on today. And then next week we'll unpack the back half 
of this message, but this is the aha moment. This is the pearl of great price in this message. You of little faith. Jesus is telling us that there is a correlation in your life, there's a correlation in my life between the amount of my worry and the size of my faith. And so, the smaller my faith, the bigger my worries. The smaller my worry, the bigger my faith. In fact, uh, one of the things Craig said last week, I said the first line, but I want to See this through. I thought this was genius. Craig was saying this when he was reflecting on this ye of little faith. He said, worry advertises that God is not good. Worry advertises that we don't trust him. Isn't that good? Advertises. See, the reality is those of us who are worriers, we're expressing little to no confidence in God's willingness and his ability to take care of us, to do anything for us. See, and Jesus is saying, look, if you want to know why you worry, it's because your faith needs to grow. Your faith is too small. See, one of the things worry does is it loses sight of God's character. It it does. It loses sight of God's goodness. It, It leads us to believe. So we say things like this in our worry. Well, I know God can, but I don't know if he will. I know God can take care of me, but I don't know if God will take care of me. I don't know if he wants to. I mean, I'm too far gone. I mean, you don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the mileage that's on these tires. You don't know how disappointed God must be in me. I've let him down again and again and again. So surely I can say, you know, hey, I know God can, but I just don't know if he will. I mean, am I too far gone? Friends, this is the same sermon that Jesus preached where he stood up and he said, blessed are you who mourn. Blessed are you, uh, you know, who, who yearn, who, like, in other words, blessed are you if no one asked you to the prom. Blessed are you if you've always felt hopeless and left out. He's talking to you and he's saying, there's a place for you in my kingdom. There's room for you here. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. It's that no matter how far you've gone, no matter where you've been, there is still room for you in his kingdom. And he wants to, he wants to take care of you regardless of your state. He always will. He always wants to. That's what Jesus is telling us here. So let's do this. Let's just dream together for just a moment. Here's the question. What if you could wake up every day and live your life as if you were absolutely confident you have a heavenly father who has your back? You have a heavenly father on whose lap you can climb. See, and here's what's so beautiful. The uncertainty's not going to go away. I mean, the reality for all of us, we have had to face uncertainty every waking moment of every single day of our lives. We don't like to think about that, but that's, that's absolutely true. Uncertainty is just a fact of life. But faith can also be a fake fact of life that rescues us from that uncertainty. And see, and in that case, you wouldn't stop worrying because your future suddenly became certain. You wouldn't stop worrying because you knew exactly what was going to happen tomorrow or the next day. The uncertainty is always going to be there. But you would stop worrying because you know the one who holds your tomorrows. I remember years ago, 
I've never forgotten this. One of my seminary professors was addressing a class, and he was broken up because his wife had cancer, and it looked like she was going to die. And here's what he said. He said to all, I mean, I was a young man at this point, and I thought when I heard him say this, well, I'll tell you what I thought in a minute. He said, you know, I don't know what's going to happen to me, to my wife tomorrow. He said, but I know the one who holds my tomorrow, and I trust him. And I thought to myself, man, when I grow up, when I get old, I want to be like him. And friends, that's the destiny that's meant for every one of us in the room. It's meant for every one of us in the room to be able to say, I don't know what's going to happen to my tomorrow, but I know the one who holds my tomorrow and my trust, my hope, my help comes from him. See, it's not because of your ability to predict and manipulate and, uh, you know, uh, kind of manipulate the future into being. We'll talk a lot more about that next week. It's just about resting in his presence, resting in his grace, resting in his provision, resting in the fact that he holds the future. Because, again, here's the news flash, right? Not one second of your life has ever been certain. It's just that sometimes you're more aware of the uncertainty than you are others. But listen, here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, you can live in the face of an uncertain future if you're in a relationship with me, if you're trusting in me to care for you and give you the rest that you need. So let's recap three things, and we're going to make some observations together about what we've read And then uh, we're going to make some applications. So three things. The first thing we've learned is that worry is a waste of time, right? It's a waste of life. It adds nothing of value. It accomplishes nothing. It is a weak attempt to control your future and to control your destiny. So when you're in the throes of worry and anxiety, you just need to say, worry, I'm not going to waste one more moment of my life. I'm not going to allow you to suck one more ounce of energy away from me than you already have. You're worthless. That's the first thing we're going to do. The second thing we've learned is that we're to do what we can do. In other words, we're to sow, we're to reap, we're to labor, we're to spend, we're to do what we can do, and then we're to trust God with what we can't do. Which means at the end of the day, when our brains start to go down that rabbit hole called worry, or when we wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning and our eyes are wide awake, and all of a sudden we're thinking of all the things, right? How many of you know the spin in the middle of the night? Sure, every hand should be up, I think. Yeah. You know, listen, what we're going to do in that moment is we're going to say, I've done what I know to do. I'm going to trust God for everything else. And then the third thing, and this is by far the most important thing. If worry springs from a lack of faith, a faith that isn't well-developed, a faith that's young, a faith that is still small, if, if worry, if there's a direct correlation between that and my worry, then what can I begin to do to intentionally grow my faith 
every single day. Friends, faith grows in people because they're intentional about growing their faith. Nobody grows in their faith, um, you know, just by going with the current. Nobody grows in their faith just by doing what everybody else does. Nobody. If your faith, and, oh, and by the way, bad news, your mama there's nothing she can do to grow your faith. Your dad, there's nothing he can do to grow your faith. Even me, I can set the table for you. I can bring some ingredients to bear on the faith in your life. But at the end of the day, there is only one person in this world responsible for the size of your faith, and that's you. That's you. But you've got to be intentional about developing it. Listen, the size, you may have small faith today, but the size of your faith tomorrow depends on what you do between, between today and between tomorrow. And there are actually disciplines, things, activities, habits that you can incorporate into your life that will grow your faith every single time. So let me be clear. I'm asking you to be intentional. No, I'm asking you to be strategic about growing your faith, to make that the, the most important thing about your life. And so for some of you, maybe you're not in community. Maybe you're not in a group. Maybe that would be a next step for you. You need to get in a group. You need to email daniel at shelbychurch.org and tell Pastor Daniel, I want to get in a group. Maybe there's not a rhythm of serving you know, in your life. And you need to get into that. Listen, no one, no one grows their faith. No one grows up into Jesus unless they're serving like he did, unless there's a rhythm of service in your life. You have to have that. I mean, Jesus said, right, even the Son of Man didn't come. The Son of Man was a phrase he took from the book of Ezekiel regarding the Messiah. So when Jesus used that phrase, his audience knew, oh, there he goes again, claiming to be the Messiah. See, we miss that because we don't read the book of Ezekiel very often, right? But they did. They knew. And Jesus is saying, look, even the Son of Man didn't come to be served. No, the Messiah, he came to serve came to serve. So if we want to be like him, we need to be men and women who approach others with a towel over our arm. How can I serve you? How can I serve in this ministry? Like right since COVID, children ministries all over the country have just blown up. Like children, children's ministries all over the country, they're just finding it so difficult to get volunteers. Maybe you should start there here because we have a we have an incredible children's ministry program i love angeline as our uh, children's minister she's fantastic uh, but maybe you need to plug in and serve there and what you're going to find is not only are kids going to grow through your ministry but your faith is going to grow through your ministry so important that we be intentional with our faith. And then listen, here's a big, big deal, probably the most important one. There's all kinds of these rhythms that you can incorporate to intentionally grow your faith every day. I want to point you to one more. So this is from something called the Version app. So whether you have an Android, whether you have an iPhone, you can actually pull up your phone. You can go to an app store. You can download this on your phone. When you pull it up, this is page one, and you're going to see that every single day, there's a, there's a verse of the day. So you read through that verse. You think on it for a minute. Then you read through that verse again. 
you think on it for a few moments. Then you go right below that and you click on the verse of the day story. And so somebody's going to kind of unpack that verse in like two to four minutes. So like, you know, you're just listening to somebody kind of talk about the verse and you're like, yeah, I didn't really think about that before. And then you go below that and you go to the guided prayer where you're going to just pause. You're going to think about that verse as you spend time in God's presence. So you click on that and it'll just lead you through some questions or maybe some statements for you to think about related to that verse. So, so you've taken 10, 12, 15 minutes at the most. And guys, this will be a game changer for you. Just getting God's word rattling around between your ears every single day of the week. And I guarantee you, if you will take this challenge in 14 days, that wasn't 14, was it? In, in 14 days, right? You will, you will just wake up and you go, I don't know what it is. I'm less anxious. I'm more at peace. I'm more at rest. I'm less worried than I've ever been. There is a correlation, friends, between the amount of time you spend in God's word, the amount of time you allow God, you make room for God to speak into your life, and the amount of worry and anxiety you're going to feel and you're going to have in your life. So finally, again, I'm it's going to drive this home. What next step, next step do you need to, to take to begin to bolster and grow, intentionally grow your faith in your heavenly Father? Remember this, guys. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to do that a step at a time. You don't, you don't go anywhere in life, but a step at a time. And so what step does that need to be for you. What next step is God calling you to? Because listen, friends, here's the reality. Staying where you are, keeping your faith the size it is, that's not an option. And you know it. You know it. I know it for me. So again, what next step can you take? All right, so here's what we're